Hey, thank you all for tuning in to Dark Series. My name is Alyssa, the creator and narrator of Dark Series. In this episode, we will be getting into the last call killer, also known as Richard Rogers and his brutal dismemberments and killings between 1991 and 1994. Now, before we get into the case, let's go over a little bit more detail about myself. I am literally a 15-year-old who attends Mary's High School. Now, some of you might wonder, why does a 15-year-old have so much interest in crimes? And I will tell you, Honestly, listening to crime podcasts and watching crime-involved shows have always been my thing and always just caught my attention. Just the fascination of what that person did and hoping to possibly get an explanation of why they did it and what they did is always a thrill to me. A few of my favorite podcast shows that involve crimes are Someone Knows Something and If I Had to Be Honest, that's literally my favorite, Criminology, and also Red Handed. Of course, I can go on for days and days, but I'm not getting sponsored. So let's get right into the last call killer. Alright guys, we are in for a long run of what it could possibly seem like hatred towards the LGBTQ community. And let me tell you why. The killer targeted gay men from bars. He, in fact, killed and dismembered three gay men from Staten Island and put their body into seven sections. We are unsure about the amount of victims the last call killer has, but at this moment, we were notified about three victims, being 56-year-old Mike Sakara. 57-year-old Thomas Mulcahy and 44-year-old Anthony Marrero. But we hope we can put an end to this before Mr. Rogers is able to commit any more crimes. Mike was my friend at the time of me working at Five Oaks in Staten Island. I actually seen him the same night that he was murdered. He would always come in for a few drinks during. That's how we got to know each other. On that night, I remember a man coming into the bar and immediately sitting next to Mike and I had never seen that man before or ever with Mike. So it was weird, but I didn't truly think anything of it. I just automatically assumed they knew each other. The man told me his name. I think it was John or Mark, one of the usual names. I don't remember his name, but I do remember his face. What is so weird about this case is that he not only cleaned the bags once placing the body parts into the different bags, but he also took care of the bodies by cleaning them also. And there is no physical evidence recovered, no fingerprints, anything. But then again, this was before we all had advanced technology. As you all can tell by this brutal and dark case, 
that detectives are trying to figure out who is responsible for these three murders, possibly more. With no fingerprints or any physical evidence, things are going to be much more tougher and this case would be hard to solve. Without any evidence, it could be hard to convict your killer because that evidence can trace you back to your killer and boom, easy conviction. The killer of these victims played a smart move by washing down the bags. It could be hard to find any evidence when something is completely washed away. At that point, your evidence could be gone. Although there is very few evidence to work with, the suspect left behind a bag with Marrero's body in it. But the latex gloves from the bag also included another one of the victim's body, Thomas Mulcahy. We gave the gloves to investigators to begin uncovering any details. side we were able to collect evidence using the superglue viewing process. For those who don't know what that is, the superglue viewing process is a method detectives use hoping to collect and preserve fingerprint evidence, mainly from criminals. Using that method, gladly we're able to lift two partial fingerprints and even a palm print to be exact. Once we had the evidence ready, we were able to enter the fingerprints into the nationwide fingerprint database of known criminal offenders, and unfortunately we didn't get anything. So there you have it. Even after fingerprints on some of the evidence was recovered, the investigators and fingerprint users were able to find nothing. At that time, detectives lost their lead until a fingerprint technique that was being used in Toronto was being brought to the detectives' attention. We heard about the new fingerprint technique called vacuum metal deposition. who don't know what that stands for, the vacuum metal deposition is a technique people use to find fingerprints on non-porous materials. To be specific, detectives use it the most. And detectives have been using it for over 50 years. And that's just amazing. I mean, when we heard that, we immediately sent a dozen of trash bags from the case to Toronto. Investigators from Toronto told us that the bags that the suspects used were exposed to 10 milligrams, which is about 20 cents worth of gold. They then heated the system to 2,000 degrees to turn the gold into a gas. The gas then becomes a gold vapor that creates a film over the surface being tested, but it is invisible to the human eyes. 
Next, vaporized zinc is used to lock any prints in place to be photographed. So there you see it. The suspect tried to be slick, which failed. The investigators from Toronto were able to gather 16 partial prints from the Mulcahy murder and three from the Marrero case. That's 19 fingerprints in total. Well, the new prints that the investigators from Toronto found were entered into the National Fingerprint Database and there were still no matches. Detective Leslie decided to take things further and send hard copies of each print to each state. A match came back in the mail to Layton Fingerprint Examiner. She decided to take the fingerprints of people who were convicted in May and put that into the NFP database, thinking she would get no results. The fingerprints came back to Richard W. Rogers Jr., who surprisingly had no record. Most people described him as kind and courteous and always willing to help. He was an assistant nurse at the time, which explains the surgical performances done on the victims. Detectives searched Rogers' home and they found many disturbing movies and books. Richard Rogers was convicted of two of the murders who had the most forensic science. He was sentenced to two life sentences plus 65 years. Now, darklings and dark lights, that's all that we have on this episode on Dark Series. Once again, it is Alyssa, the narrator and creator of this podcast. Be sure to tune in to our next episode where we talk about a man being found in his bathroom and his wife steady insisting that it was a suicide. Until next time, bye!